special. One always feels so welcome in this house. And it really is just such a beautiful people. And our family has been so loved by you all. So thank you very, very much for having us um, and opening your hearts to us. Uh, have we got this right, Pia? Is it in the right place? <laughs> just checking, because I don't always get it right. Okay. Um, well, Father, when, when preparing this, the Father spoke to me and he said he really wants you to be secure in Christ Jesus. And he wants you to know that you are secure in Christ Jesus. So what we're going to do this morning is go on a, a little bit of an adventure together where we can think through and we can be exposed to how secure we are in Christ. You know, God is never against us. He is for us. And yet, you can picture it like this. There's, there's, it's almost like some of us are in hospital. And we're in a bed and we're busy recovering. But there are these bad nurses, call them devils, coming around. And they're injecting us with something called condemnation. And you know what it does? It keeps you stuck in the hospital bed. You are never able to recover. You are never able to get out of the hospital bed and to fully function and be whole. But rather you are stuck in this place of condemnation. You are stuck in a place where maybe God is for me, maybe he's not for me. And it is very difficult to live like that as a Christian, let alone be established in Christ Jesus. And remember, we started this whole adventure uh, back in the start of February about being delivered and established. So not just living in a place of deliverance, but living in a place of being established where Christ is in us and we have no condemnation. Now, the devil comes along with these lies and he says, you know, uh, God is not happy with you. They're simple statements, but they profoundly affect how we walk our walk. God's not happy with you. You're not okay with God. Uh, You need to do more to make God happy. God is against you. You know, so many people hear a variant of that. And what does that do with your confidence? It robs you. It robs you of confidence. Um, It makes you feel like you can't play on the Lord's team. You can't stand up and minister. You can't reach out for a friend or like Greg encouraged us. You, you can't take this light to the world. You, you, you're, you're still sick. But that's a lie. That condemnation is a lie. That drug that's being ministered which causes you to be unwell, condemnation, is a lie. It is not true. And we're going to look at some scripture this morning from Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can start turning there. And the Lord really wants to minister to us that there is no condemnation, that we are secure in Christ. And then he wants to challenge us, what does it mean now that we are secure in Christ? Because this condemnation will manifest in many ways. It will create doubt that our prayers are answered. You know, what is the point of praying if your prayer is not going to be answered? I want to be honest, there's no point. Like, we, we are not into the religious form of prayer. That, that doesn't help. 
You pray for an answer. You ask because you need to receive from God. You need His breakthrough. We, we've had a wonderful time of healing take place, physical bodily healing in the month of February. The Lord's been healing so many things. I've heard so many testimonies of, of what He's done. Some are instant. Some took a few days. Uh, some people came back a few weeks after and testified, you know, I'm still healed. I'm still well. I'm still set free of that. Now, why has He done that? We've been asking. We, we asked Him for that. We said, Lord, come and heal. And He has answered. So condemnation will rob you and will cause doubts around prayer. We also doubt that God is with us. So when we want to go and do something for God, when we want to do good to others, it's almost as if we feel like we're moving and, and, and God's staying where He is. And now all of a sudden I'm out here doing something, but I'm all alone. I have nothing backing me up. But that's, that's not true. That's, that's what condemnation does to you. It makes you feel alone and without God. But you are not alone and without God. And then condemnation causes us to doubt that God wants to help. We doubt it. So we don't even bother trying. We just give up. And you can see how that means that we stay sick in whatever form or fashion it is in that hospital bed as condemnation is administered, paralyzing us, and we're never able to be these mighty sons and daughters of God. However, God has an antidote to condemnation, and it's called predestination, which sounds complicated, but we're going to go through it. So if you can turn with me, we're going to read and just comment a little bit from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and you will see how condemnation cannot function in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just can't work. Um, so verse 3, blessed be, I'm reading from the King James Version, yours might be slightly different, but they should all be on the same page. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, not some, spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So this is the first thing that deals with condemnation. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Not some. We haven't been anointed with a little Holy Ghost and a big Holy Ghost. We haven't received part shares in this thing. No, no. All in, complete, full, every blessing. Every blessing means everything. That's why we can confidently approach God in prayer. Because he's already blessed you with it. He's already said yes. Now we are administrating it with the prayer. We are receiving it from him. We're saying, yes, Father, we want this. And the Father does it in the name of Jesus. So now, verse 4. Just as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. So when were we chosen? Before the foundation of the world. Predestination. pre decided when you go on a trip unless it's one of those fun ones when you're young most of the time you decide we are going to like on tuesday we are going to johannesburg like like we have pre-decided the destination 
predestination. God predecided that you would be His, holy and blameless, before time began, before He created Adam and Eve, before the journey of this world started. God decided you would be holy. Not because of your actions. You hadn't done anything. Not because of your thoughts. You hadn't thought anything. But because He decided it. He decided you would be holy and blameless. He decided you would be His. That destroys condemnation. Because condemnation is attached to, I did something right, I did something wrong. Well, before you could do anything right or wrong, He chose you. He decided what would happen for you. So, can you be condemned? No. No condemnation. Can the devil ever say to you, God is against you? How can it be? He already decided he is for you before time began. Nothing from God is against you. And let's be honest, if God was against you, could you really stand? <laughs> it's game over. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll carry on reading. In love. Why did he do this? In love. He did this because he loves you. He didn't do this for any other reason. He didn't do this because he had to. He didn't do this because he thought, oh, I'm going to make you. And then, you know, we all like sheep have gone astray. And then I'm going to have to bring you back. Uh, so I am compelled because I made you to get, come and get you. No, he did it because he loved you. He did it because he made you in love. Predecided. Now, verse 5, having predestined, so decided before the journey started, predestined us to be adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. You see, the gospel is our adoption papers with the Father. The gospel is the legal right that God Almighty has to us that destroys any right the devil has to us. When someone is adopted, um, if, they, if they're of the age, and this is from the UK experience, you, you need an agreement of the parent and the child. So now we're seeing God's side of the agreement of the adoption papers, where we see him saying, I've chosen you. I want you. I adopt you. So if the devil comes along and says, God doesn't want you, does that make any sense? I'm trying to administer the antidote to condemnation. I'm trying to make the devil's arguments foolishness. That are they just stupid? When the devil comes to you and says, you're separate from God, he doesn't want you, you're like, okay, I'm adopted. And if you're struggling to remember, you can just go back to Ephesians 1.3. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's never going to change. It's always going to be the same. And so when the devil brings these things to us, and I'm going to make a challenge in a moment because the Father wants it, um, we need to be confident. 
we really need to stand strong. You see, the problem with the way grace is mostly preached is that it's preached that we become right and, and we're righteousness. And it kind of stops there. But really, grace deals with the entire thing in that it's not just that we write before God. It's that God wanted us. God welcomes us. God supports us. God is behind us. God is in front of us. God is for us. God is in us. Every intention of the Father is good towards you. He desires success and victory in everything you do. That is where grace expands to. It's not just this battle of, am I okay with you, God? It goes far beyond that. So we adopted as sons by Jesus Christ himself. We need to be on a guard against anything that says, we are not gods. No, no, you are gods. He chose to adopt you in Christ. It changes everything. It really, really does. And why did he do this? Carrying on in verse 5, according to the good pleasure of his will. Not the compulsion. He wasn't forced to. He didn't begrudgingly do it. He didn't think, oh, poor thing. <laughs> no. He thought, wow, to have you as my son or my daughter is going to be so pleasurable, so lovely, so amazing, so wonderful. I can see now the times we're going to have together. I can see now the life we're going to live together. And it is amazing. I want you. The Father says, I want you. You're mine. And then he continues on in verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Again, grace. This whole introduction of Paul's is laced in God's action. One way to define grace is unmerited favor, what we didn't deserve. Another way to define it is loving kindness in action. God decided to take action towards us, the action of adopting us, the action of deciding before we were born that we would be His because He loved us. Because it's loving kindness from his heart. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound to us in all wisdom and prudence. It wasn't a dumb idea from God to adopt you. You're not a dumb idea. You are an all wisdom and prudence idea from God. Do you see how condemnation cannot function? Do you see how foolish it is to say that God doesn't love me? God is not for me. To agree with the devil when he says, you're not worth it. No, you're worth it. Not only are you worth it, you are the object and the desire of his love. Not only that, but you are wisdom. It's a good idea. You are a great God idea. Verse 9, having made 
known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Do you see how this just keeps repeating itself over and over and over? What is his will about? His good pleasure. His will is about you in Christ. That's his good pleasure. So when the devil comes along and says, you're not pleasing to God. How foolish. When, when those, those evil nurses try to administer the de demonic condemnation to keep you sick and paralyzed and helpless, you're just like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't need that. That is not what God is about. That is not what the gospel is about. So then he said in the fullness of time that he might gather all things both in heaven and on earth in him, in Christ Jesus. All things in Christ. You see, this whole thing gets wrapped up in Christ Jesus. He is our safe place. He is our adoption certificate. He is the message which says and resounds, God is for you, not against you. If we look at the life of Jesus, and Jesus was the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, the life of Jesus never saw him ever calling fire down on any town, even after they rejected him. And his disciples were like, come on, let's call down fire. Let's do a Sodom and Gomorrah here. And Jesus was like, no, you don't know what spirit you're of. God is not judging men. He is judging the devil. God is bringing fire against the devil, a consuming fire that will destroy this pervert, this tyrannical evil which has molested and broken and attacked mankind seeking to devour and destroy us. God is going to destroy the devil in that way. And the demons in this room right now, I am telling you and I'm proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to you. The wisdom of our God is that you are going to be destroyed. And right now in the name of Jesus, leave these bodies that are infirmed and sick. Right now I tell you sickness is being broken off. Mental health, you are whole. Things that come against the mind, I'm telling you now, you are destroyed by the fire of our God. His judgment comes against you. Our God is passionate about His people being whole and strong and healthy and mighty, shining forth the light and the kingdom of our God. You are not sick in a hospital bed. You are full of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And according to Romans chapter 8, He quickens you, your mind, your body, your soul. Sorry, they just needed to hear that. <laughs> I'm sure you all got to hear that too. But you know, it's through the church that he proclaims the manifest wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. And from time to time, we will proclaim. And the devil must know his judgment is coming. Jesus said this, that the Holy Spirit comes into this world to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, because they do not believe. How many of us think the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin because we spoke badly, we swore, we watched something wrong on TV, and then we're like, ah, oh, repent, we did the wrong thing. No, he doesn't. That is not God. 
that is not the Holy Spirit. His conviction is around one thing. Do you believe in the Son? That's what he convicts us of. John writes it in this way. If you see your brother in sin, sin that does not lead to death, pray for them. Why? Because you don't even need to speak, for them, speak to them for them to be delivered from that sin. Your prayers for each other can deliver your brothers and sisters from sin. That's what John's saying. So pray for each other. He says this though. I'm not talking about the sin that does lead to death. What is the sin that leads to death? The one where you start to doubt Christ Jesus was the adoption papers. The one where you start to doubt that God brought us all together in Christ. That's the sin that leads to death. That's the one that kills for an eternity. Why? Because that's the sin that causes us to go along with the devil's condemnation and go and camp out with the devil where the fiery judgment of God is coming. And that is the only way that a man or woman will ever be destroyed with fire. If they camp out with Satan. So just don't do it. <laughs> Flee the wrath that is to come. The devil and his works are going to be destroyed. Get out of there. Have nothing to do with him. Reject Satan. Reject his works. Don't be a part of his kingdom. Come and be adopted by the Father. Come and be in the kingdom of God. Come into the place of safety and provision and life and miracles. Verse 11. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things to the counsel of His will. We have an inheritance. So many of us have been caught trying to make an inheritance for our children, for ourselves, a retirement sometimes. It's our efforts, our actions, our mind, our thoughts. We put a lot of time and effort into this. God says He has put eternity of thinking and planning into your inheritance. Before He even made you, He chose that you would have an inheritance in Christ. He then put His action behind His thoughts and started to work out the plan. He put so much time and effort into building you an inheritance. I hope today you can see that the efforts we have in creating our own inheritance, probably a little silly, probably a little misdirected, probably a little misplaced, because He is building an inheritance which lasts for eternity. That is an amazing thing. Now, all of that has been about God. All of that has been about what God has done. What is our response? That's what Paul now writes in verse 13. We've got this predestination. We have God creating the adoption papers in Christ. We have been redeemed. That word redeemed means brought back and then the forgiveness of sins. In other words, we've been brought back from something, from the false, illegitimate father called the devil. 
We've been brought back from Him who seeks to destroy the lives of those who gather around Him. We've been brought back from that. What is our response? What do we do? Well, verse 13, in Him you also trusted, that uh, the New King James adds in the word trusted, so in Him you also, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Having believed. You see, this message requires one thing from us. These adoption papers need one thing from us to be enacted in our lives. Believe this message that has been preached to you. And something profound is going to happen. You will be sealed with the Holy Spirit. You will become a child of God. Now, believing is faith. What is faith? To simply trust that what someone says is true. So if I said to you all, hey guys, we're going to meet up at Hoppers 12 today, and we're going to go for a lunch, and we're going to go to some nice fancy restaurant, and I'm going to pay. So then some people who hear that message will be like, ah, he's just excited. He doesn't really mean it. And go on living and not be there at 12.30. Some people are going to go, yes, okay, we, we got lunch at 12.30, I'm going to be there. But the whole time, they're stressing out, wondering if I'm really going to show up at 12.30 and go to lunch. And they're looking around for signs. Where is he? Is he over there? Is he here? Is he anywhere near? Is his car in the parking lot? That's called little faith. Little faith is this wrestle and struggle where we want lots of signs and wonders and confirmations as to what God has done. I'm telling you this morning, you need no signs and confirmation of what God has done. He loves you. This is the truth. He has adopted you in Christ. You are His. He is never against you and always for you. So great faith is this. Awesome, Brad. I will see you at 12.30. And you carry on doing your stuff and whatever. And then you notice, oh, okay, 12.29. And you just walk out. And there you are at 12.30, standing in the place where we can go to lunch. You didn't need any confirmation. You didn't need me to actually even be in the parking lot. I might zoom in at 12.30 and just get out my car and come walk there. But my car hasn't been there the whole time. Those of little faith will be stressing. But his car isn't there. He's not, he's, he said he would do this. Why is he not doing it? Well, it's not 12.30 yet, but there it is. The car's there. You pull up. So great faith is taking God at his word. That's great faith. We don't need anything else. We settle it. And today God wants us to settle this because today He wants to commission us. He wants to commission us to that eternal inheritance. And what do I mean by that? God is creator. We agree. He can make anything He wants, right? Almost. What is the one thing He can't make? can't make us choose to trust him because he loves us and he won't force us and he has chosen that through the gospel people would come alive with faith but this gospel is not given to angels as mighty and more powerful than us as they are you know one angel in the old testament it's recorded took out an entire army in one night <laughs> they're pretty powerful 
We're not like that. But the gospel wasn't given to them to proclaim. The gospel has been given to us to proclaim. Do you see why condemnation cannot have any place in you? Because if you have a shred of condemnation or doubt that God is for you, the moment I say, hey, this gospel is for us to proclaim, we can change people's eternities. We can change that world out there. We can go and get sons and daughters of God who are going to be destroyed in the wrath that is to come. We can go and proclaim the gospel to them and get them from the devil and we can bring them to God. The moment I say that, if you have a shred of condemnation in you, you're like, ah, but not me. Ah, I don't have the power. Ah, God isn't with me to do this. No, no, He is. That's what I'm telling you. The poison that is administered, which paralyzes us from bringing this powerful message and demonstrating this powerful message to the world and building the church of Jesus Christ, that condemnation paralyzes. So that's why when the challenge now comes, I hope you are rooted. I hope you see you are predestined. You are called. I mean, if we look through everything Paul said, he said, you're chosen, you're predestined, you're adopted, you're accepted, you're redeemed, brought back, forgiven. You're the object of his good pleasure. You are gathered in Christ and you are given an inheritance before you did anything. You already have an inheritance in heaven. You don't have to do anything from God to have an awesome eternity. But they won't have an awesome eternity unless we take the gospel to them. Their eternity is going to suck forever because they were deceived by the devil and by the condemnation. So we have to throw it off and be strong in our God. We have to stop trying to get our own inheritance and have faith. He has prepared a bigger one for us. If I said to you, if you do this job, I'll give you a hundred thousand rand. And your dad came to you and said, man, if you would just come to this office, I will give you 10 million rand. Which one would you take? The 10 million without all the work. Your father in heaven has so much more than tens of hundreds of millions of billions for all eternity for you, predestined already yours. You have nothing to prove. You don't have to gain anything. The only thing we can do is get these people to Jesus. His heart breaks for them. I plead on behalf of the Father, shred all condemnation from yourself. Shred everything that says, I'm not good enough, I can't do it. And stand in who you are a mighty son and daughter of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit of power that you may witness of the risen Christ. There is nothing on earth that compares to someone coming. All, all the angels in heaven rejoice. Every single one of them when one lost sheep returns. Angels who are far mightier and powerful and I'm sure have very important stuff they're going about doing. Stop 
everything to celebrate. We need to have eternity in mind. We've got to live with it. We've got to be free of this temporal world, which, yes, there's things we have to do. Yes, we have to have a job. I agree. But he's going to give you favor in the job. He's going to make it easy to earn money. He makes it easy to earn money so that you can just be more available to go and take adoption papers to more children. Hope that makes sense. Mm, that's passionate. <laughs> His fiery love burns hot for you and for all people. His wrath burns against the devil. There is a big difference. Man, the devil has deceived people. They think God wants them dead. People ask this question when, you, when you're witnessing. How can a good God send people to hell? He's not. He's not. He's doing everything he can to say, don't go to hell. It's your choice. If there's anyone today who does not trust the Lord Jesus, I want to tell you he is trustworthy. What he has said that all your sins are forgiven, that you have peace with God, that you have a heavenly Father who loves you and is for you, that is not against you. He is trustworthy. This gospel is trustworthy. So we spoke about faith, we spoke about great faith. So how does, behave, how does faith behave? Like you have peace with God and you enjoy Him as your Father. If you're an adopted child in the house, you enjoy your adopted family. Perhaps you remember being an orphan or being in a foster home or being with poor parents and it was terrible and it was not nice. I'm sure we can all somehow empathize and relate to that but now you're in a good home enjoy your father enjoy his presence enjoy what he's about enjoy seeing the works of the devil destroyed lay your hands on people pray for them counsel people encourage them come to jesus come to god share and be a part of eternity Know that what you ask for in prayer is yours. It's yours. Pray with faith. Live like God is backing you up. Live like you actually have God in you. And again, is there any condemnation? No. So if you don't live like God's backing you up, is there condemnation? No. Before you lived anything, He chose you, predestined you, adopted you, redeemed you, forgave you. It's all done so that we can live in the frailty of this flesh, getting it right sometimes and wrong other times with no condemnation. But you know what? When we get it right, hey, people's lives get touched. Eternity changes. Almighty God gets something that he otherwise can't have. All right. So God acted in Christ. We hear and believe. And God confirmed it by giving us his spirit. Now there's something God wanted to say this morning. And we'll finish with this because I think time is done. My voice is done. <laughs> and I didn't say this in the first service, mainly because God only told me in the second worship. <laughs> 
Father is drawing people into Emmanuel. And he's drawing some people back to Emmanuel. He knows that you are a loving community which binds up the wounds and then equips and then releases people. He knows that about you. So he's going to bring people in here for that express purpose. I saw this picture of, that like Emmanuel was a family home. And there's some people swimming in the pool and having fun. And there's some people checking that the pool water is okay to swim in, <laughs> doing a little bit of work. Some are having fun, some are working. And I saw some people at the back cutting the hedge back and making it look all nice and neat, working. And I saw some sitting and preparing a meal. And I saw some eating a meal. What does that mean? Some of you are going to play here, and that's good. And some of you are going to serve here, and that's good. And some of you are going to work very hard here, and that's good. Because God's got this family together, and in a family, all those things take place. It's not always play, but it's not always work. We refresh each other. We take care of each other. Take care of each other. Please take care of each other. If you see any one of us entering into the sin that does lead to death, don't just pray from a distance. Get close to them. Cut in on them. Cut in on the devil who's trying to destroy them. Get in the way. Take all the confidence you have and stand up in the way of what the devil's doing in that person's life. And the second thing that the Lord wanted to say is that He wants to create a mental checkpoint for us. Many of you are young here. You know about a save game checkpoint, right? It's like this is the point that if I fail, I come back to. He wants to create a point in our minds and in our lives. The 25th of February, 2024. This is the day that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has commissioned me. God has anointed me. And God has appointed me to these good works. Whatever good you find in your heart, the, where love is, He's appointing you this day. So that when the devil comes and says, you're not called, you're like, don't lie. 25th of February, 2024, I was called. If he says you are not anointed, you do not have the spirit of power to do what you want to do. No, no. 25th of February, 2004, I was anointed. Now, as Cameron rightly said, when we're born again, we are anointed. But God wants to create a specific date, a specific time that you can write it down that you are sure beyond all shadow of a doubt that when that toxic condemnation comes you will not be made paralyzed and stay sick yeah. but you can keep on going and God's grace which so mightily works from us will sustain you will enable you to do amazing things for God. He highlighted four areas 
and I would like to pray for you. So if you find one of these four areas on your heart, today is the day of commissioning. Today is the day of anointing and appointing you to this thing. As a prophet of the Lord God Almighty, who has heard His voice for this church on this day, as one sent by God to you, I am telling you, He anoints and appoints you this day. Leadership. For those of you who feel called or do lead, sometimes you waver in leadership, whether it is in business or in a charity or in the church. Leadership of twos, of threes, of fives, of tens, of hundreds, of thousands, of hundreds of thousands. I would like you to stand. The second thing is in the area of working miracles. You want to work miracles and create a testimony for Jesus Christ that in an unbelieving and perverse generation, there will be signs and wonders and miracles. Today, God wants to anoint you and appoint you to that and empower you. Please stand. In giving, you find that with finance, you have an ease and a grace. In your heart, you don't ask a question, how do I get more money? You ask the question, should I live on less so that I can give more? The answer is yes. He wants to appoint you towards giving, to give radically and generously to see this gospel prosper. And the fourth one is in serving. You're not sure, or maybe you are sure, small things or big things, whether it's checking the pool water, for example, or trimming the hedge back, you want to serve God, something practical. Maybe it's the tea, maybe it's even facilitating a group, getting things ready for a group. Then please stand. So leadership, the working of miracles, giving and serving. Four areas he highlighted. These four things he will cause his power to be upon this morning. That you can write it down in your diary. The 25th of February in 2024, I was anointed and appointed to do this good work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mighty work. I thank you for your hand which is reaching out to Emmanuel. Lord, you have said you will bring people in amongst them. You have said that they will need to be healed and made whole. And then you have said they will need to be equipped and sent out. For that, all these anointings and appointings need to take place. I ask right now in the name of Jesus, let your power fall. Let your anointing be smeared upon us, Lord God, that beyond the shadow of a doubt, never let there be a condemnation. Never let there be a thought which dis puts us aside, that tempts us to stop. Rather, we would run strong and hard for you, building an inheritance for others that they may have an eternity, that they may enjoy you forever. 
that we would deliver the adoption papers, Father, in the multiple forms that is needed. Right now, Lord God, let your anointing come. Let your fire be in the hearts of your people to do this good work. In Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you that you watch over your word this day. It shall be formed. I thank you that it is like a hammer that will break and destroy condemnation. I thank you, Father, it is a seed that is incorruptible and will grow and bear a harvest unto you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just sense the presence of God just moving. I just see a number of people being touched. We just want to wait in this space for a moment. Because the Lord just touches. For some of you, He's reminding you of dreams that you had when you were younger. Hopes that you had when you were younger. For some of you, He's giving new vision. He's envisioning you. You're wondering, what can I do? He's showing you what to do. For some of you, you say, all I can do right now is pray. The only thing I have is my mind. Then pray. Then pray. 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 The Lord hears your prayers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I pray, give us eyes to see anything that hinders or encumbers our brothers and sisters, that we can skillfully in love cut it off so they may be unhindered to run this race in Christ, to run for an eternal prize, not that which is temporal and can perish, or rust or fade, but which lasts for an eternity. Thank you.